It's me, CLB. And this week we're joined by Des Bishop, Jason Markin Aspic. Can I ask a question? Go ahead. On the video, are my legs in the video? Because oh, I, I always not. I always feel like I get judged when I cross my legs. I do get judged over that, and I do it as well. Yeah, see, I'm a leg crosser. But so, then mm -hmm. sometimes there's certain shots where you you just look more crossed. Just the angle. It comes across very feminine. I feel this. like the yeah. talking bollocks crown. I'd be like, well, Des Bishop thinks he's great and fucking legs crossed <laughs> and all that. And then all this weird stuff. But anyway, needless to say, uh, I'm, I'm going to try not to cross my legs, even though you have a... I thought you were more concerned about the black stockings with the white runners. Well, you know, it's, funny you, should, it's funny you should say that because when I was first moved to Ireland, they were very funny about white socks yeah. with shoes. Wish like Wingle pickers like just like white socks. So uh, I just I don't have any white socks. Yeah, and I so I just put my I just put these on. I, to be honest, I didn't even. I'm only back for six days, so I didn't even bring anything. So I'm stuck with whatever's in my gaff, whatever's in Dolphins Burn. Do you know they used to send us home from school days if you had white socks on with your uniform? Did you yeah, that, that was a, it was a big no no. So mm. basically, Ireland shamed me out of white socks. Mm. You know, so that's why you weren't there. Well, so, I wasn't even aware of it. I wasn't going to shame you about your fucking leg crossing, but now that you're going, <laughs> <laughs> now that you're going at my socks, all bets are off. Where you're wearing fucking ankle socks is fucking zero degrees out. Oh, so no. what the fuck is that's, wrong with you? That's a rookie mistake because it is. You must better. be your your the ankle bone must have been freezing. Better cold. Better. Yeah, and then if the, if you have your ankle bone, whatever that you know the bone ankle. that sticks out, if you have that exposed in this cold, and then you hit it off something, they fucking. Been a game hospital. over. It's I've been in the hospital for a week. You were yeah. giving out to us about the numbers of the episodes as well, Des. No, I, excuse me. I wasn't giving out. <laughs> I was asking you why do you why do you because yeah. right before we turned on the, the recording, you were like, What number is it? And I was like, Why do you guys care about what number it is? You had a go with us two years ago, give you, or take. Can, can, I just, this. can I just say you keep suggesting that everything is very confrontational here, but it wasn't. <laughs> it's, just, it's just a tone, so it, it was more like you gave us there. Why'd you care? Well, well, that's my New York accent. Yeah, this is a problem in my marriage. This is literally a problem in my marriage because my wife always thinks we're arguing when we're not. It's just the way that I talk. It's like a problem. She's not from New York as well, no? She is, but she was raised correctly. Yeah. <laughs> so she's got like a, a New York kind of like middle class accent, but I have like a, you know. Yeah, yeah, Did I do that joke back. the last time? No, go on. Because this is a new joke I have, but it's 100% a fact, which is something I've only noticed since I've been living in New York full time. Because most of my life I've been here, right? Since I was a teenager, people judge me on my accent. Now in Ireland, people judge me on my accent. They just go, "He's a Yank," yeah. but they don't make any assumptions about my class. But in the states, I have like a fucking all right. What's the story? That's my accent. But I, that's not a criticism. I'm saying that's who I am. You know. So my fucking accent is like. No, I'm not saying it's like fucking. You know. So. I'm oh, not oh. saying I'm like, oh, no, he gives a tanner. I'm not saying I'm like that <laughs> accent, but I am saying I'm like, I'm like Beaumont. You know what I'm saying? For the first time in my life, you are I'm judged. getting judged yeah. on my accent in a classist way, right? But it's also kind of an aggressive accent, right? So when I say, 
Why do you care about that? You think I mean like, what the fuck's the matter with you? <laughs> but actually, I'm just curious. Why do you care about that? That's I'm, what I mean. I'm curious at what middle class New York accent is. It's just like a neutral accent. Because the New York accent is dying because people don't want to have it. You know what I mean? Why? That's, this stuff we're talking about. Yeah. People judge you on your accent. The assumption is that you're not educated, that you're you know, blue collar as they stay in the States. So people don't want that association. So New York would be classed as a whole. But Americans a, don't like to talk about class because they like to live in this denial that their society is divided by class. Yeah. So they don't talk about it. That's why they don't say working class. They say blue collar. Yeah. But it 100% is. Now, obviously, they say like white trash. But in New York, they're basically judging like the union guys, you know, the People say salt of the earth, that's like a mm. positive, but yeah. people Public do, skill they make kind of assumptions people, yeah. that you're probably like less educated than you are, shit like that. Mm. You're the us over there. Bingo. Yeah. Which not, is not, not, as, not as rough as you, but yeah. no, 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 I'm joking, but that's what I was saying. It's weird for New York considering like it's a melting pot of culture. Yeah, but here's the thing though, it's like, it's also because the New York accent is like this international phenomenon, right? So like, people go like, oh, New York, mafia movies, and... That's all I think when I hear you, every time I see you putting a video up, I think of that. <laughs> I'm like, he's in the mafia. Yes, yeah, so this is what I mean, so... <laughs> this is the Sopranos, but in a like, 30 second reel on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, that's my, that's the point I was trying to make, is that like, when people hear my accent over here, it's like fun, and it's it's like... Everyone's got some association with the New York accent because it's this like famous accent all over the world. But New Yorkers are actually not that used to hearing it anymore. And I actually have a really strong one, mm. you know, because I'm from Queens, you know? Is that Roughdale? It's not rough, but it's, you know, it's working class. Who's from man. Queens? Someone... 50 Cent is from Queens. Yeah, that's yeah well, that's, that's, and that, that's a whole other division, you know? The race division is obviously the bigger focus of division in the United States. But he grew up not far from me, but... We couldn't have had more different lives. I mean, he really came from a very difficult situation. I did not come from a difficult situation. That's why I like to say it's like Beaumont, Clondalkin, do you know what I mean? Blanchardstown, some parts. You know what I'm saying? Not too crazy. Like, you know, just fucking, just middle of the road, salt of the earth, fucking Dublin, walking man. That's my accent in the New York version. Right. And where would 50 Cent be from in terms of Dublin? <laughs> <laughs> I ain't going there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Can't catch this one. Uh, no, no, you have to go no, up early no, in the morning to catch this truth, I'll, I'll tell you the truth. He's from fucking Sean McDermott Street. <laughs> yes. That's where he's from. He's from fucking Sheriff Street. He's yeah. from fucking Fatima before they fucking tore it down. He's from Teresa's Gardens. Lovely. Yeah. yeah and yeah. he was fucking judged his whole life on who he fucking was. Yeah. So right, we hear it there, yeah. But Ireland is Ireland has that thing about address because Ireland didn't have as much of the race division, but obviously you had address division. Yeah, I, think, I feel like we talked about that the last time, but basically, yes, it's all we ever talk about in this podcast. I didn't, I didn't grow up in any. I'm not trying to say in any way, shape, or form that I grew up in any sense of like that I was discriminated against. I'm just talking about a light-hearted thing where, for the first time in my life. I notice people judging me on my accent. Yeah. That's all. Now right, you know hey. how we feel. Goble, you have a zinger there. Des, have you got a zinger? You didn't have a zinger two years ago. And I don't have a zinger now either. Right. Two but I'm, I'm quite happy to take part in your zingers. We're trying to resurrect them, Des. And oh, wow. Had, had they been gone? Yeah. yeah. Oh, no way. They were bottom of the barrel anyway. It's hard Des. to come up with the zingers. Yeah. Over. So Siobhan, our producer, has informed us that whole brother actually sent one in last week that we used, but we didn't know at the time it was our brother. And she's given us two now as well. So it must be something going on in whole household over Christmas. They must have just come up with loads of zingers. So how much 
would you donate a kidney for? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. First of all, I know a kidney donor, Charles Regan, the comedian, but he gave it to his brother for free. Right. And then I have a relation that's actually struggling with his kidney at the moment. Um, are you giving yours to him? Yeah, are you fishing there? Are you in the market? Be like, oh, I don't know, if he gives me like 20 grand, I donate mine. And he'd be like, right, there's I'd be in the hundreds of grands minimum for a kidney. Are you kidding me? That's a lot. <laughs> that's, a lot to, that's a lot of inconvenience for the rest of your life. Is it, need though? With them? Is it, though? Yeah. What? First of all, it's major surgery. Yeah, and then recovery. But you'd be grand in a like, three-month period, I'd say. Listen, man, I know you guys are doing better than you used to do. Are you telling me that you're going to give up a kidney for like... Fucking 50G. What's the inconvenience of having one kidney? Uh, it doesn't, you know, like, it, you won't. What yeah, struggling here, then. <laughs> no, I'm not. What happens if the other one goes? Well, then you, you're in the Yeah, then you the have market. to go and get a fucking kidney. You can't go back to the person and be like, I need that back. <laughs> you can't do that. Actually, I never understood that because, like, you know, when someone's like, oh, I need a kidney. That means you have two failing kidneys then. Otherwise, you can just function with one. Yes, correct. Yeah. Right, so they're going to remove both their kidneys and give them your one good kidney. Is that yeah. how that works? Yeah, and and but you have to be a match. You know that? Yeah, I know yeah, that. Yeah. I know. And sometimes so, it doesn't take, even though you go through the surgery. Exactly. And then you're down a kidney. You've had major surgery. You're down a kidney for no reason. That happened to the, the GAA pundit. You know, who's the most Joe Broly. Yeah, Joe Broly gave up a kidney and then the, the guy rejected it. Mm. I mean, he didn't reject Well, his body rejected it. I don't need that kind of attitude up in my kidneys, man. Shit. But uh, anyway, I would need minimum 500 G. 500? So come here. Let me see the Joe Rolly thing. I don't know why we're skipping off that. So see the way his body rejected that. What do he do with the kidney then? Give it back? To Joe Bloody? No. The kidney's <laughs> gone. It's gone. The kidney's it's gone. Waste. Yeah, it's gone to waste, yeah. Oh, no, boy. It's like a fucking ice cream cone that fell on the floor. <laughs> you're fucking looking at it, but you're not going to eat it. It's no it's, use. Yeah, so unfortunately. It's just gone to waste. That's it, man. It's so, sick. 500G, man. That's what I'd need. I could handle my kidney going on the floor with the 500G. I'm just waiting on Chabon to send us in the disadvantages of only having one kidney. So from the Donnie's perspective... So yes. If you give your kidney up, Terence, how does that impact <coughs> your life from now? Because surely, what like what do we need our kidneys for? But we have Processes. a few things that we don't. We don't need an appendix. You don't, don't we need not? two balls. We know that. Can tell you. Yeah, fit that one in. You don't need two balls. The appendix is is uh, we obsolete it was yeah. from some some previous evolution of of humanity. Yeah, it used to have a, a purpose. But yeah, it's actually more of a hindrance to keep your appendix now. It's a pain in the hole, yeah. yeah. But the two balls thing, you don't need to either. You no, don't no. need to. You'll no. function the exact same. You function, you can make enough sperm with the, with the one ball. Mm. Uh, you can, is there, oh, you can function with one lung. But it's not ideal. Yeah, it's, uh, the lung thing is a bit different, I'd say. I, I'm telling you right now, you're going to find disadvantages of having one kidney. But I'd imagine you get drunk quicker if you have one kidney. You probably process water a lot quicker, so you're probably pissing a lot more. I don't know. I actually don't know. I always just, just thought the biggest... half a million no, regardless. I just thought the biggest disadvantage would be what happens if your one kidney has a problem. You know what I mean? Yeah, I want I want like a It's spare. like a plane. I want a spare. Yeah, it's I like, don't drive a car without a spare tire in the boot. Exactly. It's like a plane. You know, a plane can fly with one engine. Yes. But the only reason they don't take off with one engine is well, if something happens to that engine. Exactly. That's what they do. That's true, yeah. yeah. That's true, yes. Yeah. That's why you have two... But like if one does shut off during the flight. Like here we go. Right. All right, so here's your disadvantages. So there's a chance of some slight loss in kidney function later on or having high blood pressure later on in life. However, the loss in kidney function is very mild 
and the lifespan is normal. Most people with one kidney live healthy, normal lives with few problems. But what are the problems? Like they're, they're just those. That's it, really. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't sound too bad. It doesn't sound too bad, but like in an ideal world, I just wouldn't be giving up my kidney. I do it for a gaff. So whatever the price is, are you saying nice gaff? Five hundred G. Yes. Yeah, but like That's you what get you a gaff for a gaff. That's a gaff from Lost Common. You're not getting a gaff from Dublin for You need 500 G minimum for a gaff, man. You know, you can still get a gaff from Rialto for 500 G. If there's anyone out there who has a gaff on the market and needs a kidney, give me a shout, I'll do it. I'll take the hit for the family. But yeah, it has to be a match, bro. Well, I'll give her a bash. But what if it's like, oh, uh, I'm in Leitrim. <laughs> yeah, I say keep that, yeah. It's a hard book, isn't it? So just a, a, a funny aside. You know, my wife and I have a podcast now, and uh, so we shameless get... plug there. No, go no, on, go ahead. Oh, it's relevant. It's relevant. <laughs> so we do these callers, and uh, we did one which was like the worst first dates or worst like sexual encounters. So this woman messaged in to say that she met a guy on the date who had kidney problems, and he just kept asking her about her blood type. And basically, it was clear that this guy was dating around, trying to fall in love with somebody who could donate him a kidney when the time arose, because he just kept talking about things that would make him know that she might be a suitable donor. And after their pretty average date, he never contacted her again, because she clearly was like the wrong blood type and all that shit. She wasn't a match. She wasn't a match. Literally, yeah. So this guy's, this guy's whole life was to find love, but also a kidney. He's on Tinder. And he's not putting his height in his bio. He's putting his blood type in his bio, hoping that somebody like, you know, I have the same blood type as you. Yeah. Swipe right. Swipe yeah. right. Just you in know? case. Because just then, case, love, yeah. you just save yourself 500G. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, if you're in love. Not, is that not like a common thing? Is the hospital not meant to do that? Well, find a match. Find you a kidney, like. Yeah, but it's not easy. Why is this fella going out dating, looking for people with a kidney? He's looking for somebody who matches him. Because at the end of the day, most of the time, you're going to have to rely on like a family member. But yeah. if you don't have a lot of family members... Then you know. Yeah, bollocks. Yeah, but also, like, this was just a random woman talking about some date. I don't know his true <laughs> backstory, but that was her take from the date. Um, it's very strange to talk about blood type on a first date. Yeah, we're all technically now under EU law, and we're not all organ donors until you opt out. Oh, is that, which is good. I like that. Yeah, I like that as well, because yeah. I, know, I know people are objecting to it. Like, no, they're not taking me fucking kidneys when they're doing it. Why? Why? I'm getting cremated, so do whatever. Yeah, There's take anything them. left of me. That, that can, can save someone else, 100%. Is that a reason why you're getting cremated there? So, I like to ask people that. Why are people so concerned? So I don't give a fuck what they do with me when I'm dead, yeah? But people are like adamant, fucking cremate me. Oh, mm. I, actually, I, I'm not adamant in the sense that I don't care. It's just, I feel like cremated is the, the nice most practical for the afterwards. But if, if I end up having a load of kids and they really want to have a grave to go to, they can fucking bury me. I don't yeah. care. Because yeah, right. I don't think so. There's no like real backstory behind that. There's no contingency plan. No, well, my mother, my, my mother was adamant that she would be cremated. Mm. Did she want to be scattered somewhere? She actually didn't care. So, so, my dad had a very, very like serious plan for what we needed to do with his ashes. Yeah. Right. And it was beautiful. They spread them in bally cotton. But you know, my mother's my mother's death was like a lot more dramatic and stressful. So we didn't have as much of the beautiful chats about the afterlife. You know, myself and my dad would have a lot of like deep, meaningful chats. Whereas my mother just kept getting sick. So actually, she was a, a day from death and she was only half conscious. And I realized that she was like probably gonna die. And I didn't know where she wanted her ashes spread. So I she wasn't waking up and I kept shouting at her, like, hey. 
Where are we going to spread your ashes, right? And she wouldn't wake up. And finally, she fucking opened her eyes and she said, I don't give a fuck where you spread my ashes. That was that was our actual that was our actual words, and uh, so we well, said to us adamant on getting cremated, but but adamant on getting cremated though. But I think, and I don't know fear. why people have a fear of waking up in a box, don't they? That, I would imagine so. But it's a, that's yeah. I swear to God, I think that's like a what? common fear. Like, what if we wake up and I'm in a coffin? And what I'm, if you wake up and you're in a bleeding? Earn on someone's mantelpiece then, do you know what I mean? I don't know if you're going to wake up now. <laughs> but it's a common thing that people die and get filmed a few days later awake. In the oh, no, it's not, it's not common. <laughs> it's not common, terrible, man. Common is the wrong word. <laughs> no, but it has How happened. many people do you know it's happened there? It happened in I know one person it's happened there. And I don't know personally. him personally. But if I rang me dad now and I'd be like, Dad, remember that fella that went to the morgue so and the smoke moved? He'd be able to name him. We might know the same person. It could be the same person. Yeah. That's a phenomenon. Is it, yeah? Yeah. It happened. Remember we spoke where on this a South American woman or something? I don't know, but somebody in Dublin is was pronounced dead and in the morgue is foot moved. So yeah. imagine being like the mortician or whatever they're called. But was he actually alive? Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, he was alive. He's still he, alive. He's, he's on next out. week. <laughs> <laughs> Come back, Charlie. Yeah. Uh, Siobhan just texts me and says, the legislation has been proposed. It hasn't gone through yet. So we're not still at the opt-in stage. But when you fill out your driver's license, there's a thing in your driver's license to say, do you want to be an organ donor? And mine is yes. So I'd imagine that's like if you're found in a car crash or something. Yeah. Like this fella's an organ donor, get him on ice. That's what that is. I'd like to know how many graphic. times that has happened though. Now that I'd say it's not that. that common. It's definitely not that common. Is it not? No. no. Not no. as common as I think. Like, no, definitely not. No. I don't think that's so. Probably... But I do think it's common for people who have that fear. Yeah. yeah. I think the fear is common. Hey, I bet you fear waking up in a box more than actually dying itself. <laughs> Yeah. Wait, Siobhan, did you say something about that? She said, you'd be dead from the embalming fluids till before you're buried. Oh, right. Oh, what, yeah. So there's what, no chance you could be buried alive. It's the stuff the undertaker puts on you. So you, you put on you so you don't, so you don't uh, deteriorate. Is that what that is, yeah? So yeah. bodies don't deteriorate? Well, they, they do, do, but you get them you get bombed. Have you ever seen somebody in a, in a wake and they look green or yellow? That's the embalming that's wearing yeah. off there and it's happening. Like Yeah, so my mother also was adamant that we did not have an open casket. She did not want people coming and like oogling her when she was dead. Mm. We so. only did we talk about this? We spoke last, last week? week, I think it was. Really? That yes, this strange? exact. Like we were talking about how weird wakes are. You know, people coming in, they're yeah. kissing them and they're holding their hand yeah. on. You're like, it's a fucking vessel. It's yes. a corpse. Like, yes. it's not a person anymore. But it is funny though, because my mother was a closed casket, but my dad was open. And even though you know it's just a dead person, mm. it does feel very final when they close it. You know, when the actual thing gets closed and you know you're never going to see him again. Mm. It's a weird thing because you yeah. know it's just a stuffed animal, basically. But like, it still feels like they're there yeah. I get until that. that moment, you yeah. know? I get that when the coffin goes into the grave. That's when you're like, yes. right now, that's it now. Yes. That's, oh, that's, 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 that's point. People, yeah. people always that, cry there. Yeah, I've never been at a, a cremation. Have you not? No. Never oh, been to a They are the saddest. No. You, you could go to any stranger in the world's cremation. But they play a song, don't they? they yeah, as the corn's closing. So yeah. a friend of mine, I'll give him a shout out on this because I only come up on Instagram recently, James Cosgrave, his granddad died and they fucked up the song. So they were like, the corn closed, they like, play the, play the tune. And Pretty Green Eyes, come on or something, was it? What's the worst song to play at a cremation? Happy Birthday. No, uh, oh, new oh, dog oh, drop oh. it like it's hot. <laughs> and that's a fact. I didn't make that up. I was going to say I'm on fire. They played that. You know John Quinn? Yeah. It's his granddad as well. But it's, it's funny. It is funny, but they didn't mean it. Oh, they didn't mean it? <laughs> he played that. And like, 
I say his mom was sitting there fuming, like, do you know what I mean? That's a dad, yeah, the lads down the back having a, a joke. They played drop it like a toy. Oh, Jay, they had a buzz about that, would you? They still the only shared it the other day on Instagram, like, remember my granddad died. Cause, That's funny, but if yeah. you do that at the wrong funeral, that can end bad. Do you know what my brother said? So my dad was cremated and we went to the place, St. Michael's, Astoria, Queens. And, uh, you know, they he says, so now take anything that's in there out because everything that's in this coffin is going to get burned. Mm. So it was my dad's wedding ring and a few other things that were in there that my mother wanted to take. And uh, my brother goes, everything in there gets burned? I would have brought a couple of bags of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> He, really, he actually said that in the moment. We were dying. But anyway, whatever. We, we tried to be as fun as possible throughout the whole process. But I think that's, I think, I, I don't know. Like, I think that's a very walking class thing to have, like, a lot of humor at funerals oh, and, yeah. and stuff like that. I just want to know. I think that's great, Panther. Like, obviously. Oh, funerals are great. I always love funerals, man. But there's always, there's a few moments where it's sad. But then yeah. the rest of the time, you have to just. I think it's just everyone just trying to use humor. They're, they're yeah. always a great play yeah. day. Like, obviously, you don't want Depends. to. The younger fun. people can be harder, you know? Yeah. When the person <clears throat> is younger, when the higher the level of sort of tragedy, I feel like the harder it is to yeah. have a laugh. But I still think it's good to have a laugh, you know? Oh, definitely. Are you being cremated, Terry? Well, no, I, I, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever though. That's whatever what I feel. Suits, whatever. I, I think it's. Oh, I think it's. it's yeah, old. like I think that stuff is. is whatever used. is cheaper for the family. Yeah, deal yeah. to me. Well, it's Most definitely convenient. cheaper. Cremated is definitely cheaper, man. Is it yeah. cheaper? You're not yeah. paying for a grave, you're headstone. Not, you're not buying a, a, yeah. a, a plot of land. So if it's done now, like you can't get a headstone. Well, you don't need one. You have to buy one. Well, like, it's not like oh, somewhere for people. You can do that. You can do that. But if you do that, some people do get a spot for the ashes. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's usually just like a little drawer. Basically. What do you mean you're not getting a headstone? Do you I thought you get like like a little fucking cross thing, not yeah. an actual headstone, a little cross and yeah, somewhere to mark the, grave, the family yeah. to go. So that is. If you want. Yeah. Oh, so that's a choice. Is that I that's a that choice. Like, Gravestones are actually really expensive. Yeah. yeah, I know, I know. That's do, what I mean. Do you ever go? Don't know if we should have this conversation, but do you ever what? go to the fucking graveyard and see some of the gravestones, boys? Like, they must be worth a couple of hundred grand. Yeah. Do you ever see them, like, obviously people are into the horses and whatever. Big, gold horse and carriage jokes and fucking big, huge graves, boys. It's mental. I'm thinking, like, why would you spend that on a grave? Well, yeah. it's just di different cultures have different... Uh, That's what it is. What they're into, is it? Yeah, like what they're into, what they deem important. You know what I mean? Yeah, So, yeah. like, for our family, we just didn't care. Yeah. We still don't. <clears throat> we never spread my mother's ashes. Are you going to do still, with this? No. So. We, no, she didn't care. We yeah. don't. My brother has them. Mm -hmm. Whereas my dad's thing was like a whole ritual down yeah. in Valley Cotton that we did. So like that mattered to my dad. And as a result, it mattered to us. It was like honoring his wishes. Yeah. Mm. And it's nice. I go down there sometimes and I look out and I think of my dad. Yeah, it's a good spot to like go and just reminisce. But my mother didn't care. And like, mm. I think eventually my aunt, her sister wanted to do something with them. But it just, it's not important to us. Yeah, mm. and I've only been to that my dad's place like three times. He died mm. in 2011, yeah. so it's not like that's also not important. It was nice, but it's not important. So what is important is what matters to you, because at the end of the day, it's all ritual and ceremony. It's not real. Like when I was a kid and I went to my grandmother and my grandfather's grave, I did feel connected to them, so it did work for me as a kid. And I have no doubt that if my parents got a grave, I probably would go there to think of them, mm. you know? But not having it, I don't miss having it. Yeah. But I'm sure I would appreciate it if it was there, if you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. My missus, whole dad was cremated and he was a fisherman. So we were scattered like on a certain beach in Wexford. Yes. And like, obviously they all have uh, some of his ashes each. Yes. And because we travel a lot 
and he was a fisherman and they loved to see anywhere we go. She so she like said, Do you know what? From now on, every time we go away, she has like a, a like a small like jar like necklace thing. She's like, I'm gonna take some of his ashes, fill that up, and spread them in like a coast or a town or a sea somewhere or a port, wherever we go. And like we've been to San Francisco, we've been to Thailand, we've been to Cuba, we've been all over the world. And she's every single time she gets on the plane, she goes, I forgot my dad's asses. So she's like naming all the countries. <laughs> she's naming all the countries we've been to, like at the Golden Gate Bridge. We've been to like Mexico, the Far East. We've been to Mexico. And she's like, and that poor cunt has never left the draw. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. It's, it's really complicated if you say officially, I'm bringing ashes. Yeah. They make you go through all this paperwork because to bring my dad's ashes over here, was like really complicated. So you're actually better to say, Not say nothing. nothing yeah. Yeah, yeah, never say that you're bringing the ashes. Yeah. But imagine you got caught going through customs and that little fella in Dublin ashes. Airport. Do you know what I mean? If they think it's heroin, then it's a problem. But if you just come clean, I'd say <laughs> they're not going to get too upset, but they're going to make you do all the paperwork there. Yeah. Then you're going to have to just be like, oh, sorry, I didn't realize. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a heavy, by the way. What do you mean? A human body, the ashes, it's heavy. It's heavier than you think. Like when I got the box, I was like, wow. There's a lot of well, technically, you're born in a coffin as well, aren't you? Yeah, right. So there's a lot in there. It's not. It's not nothing. Like so, it would be hard to just bring a full thing of ashes over without saying you're bringing it because it's it's a lot. So you splitting that up then, Dyson? No, we up. brought the whole thing. My, <laughs> yeah. my dad, my mother kept a bit for herself, but then the, the, we brought the whole thing over and we we spread it. Oh, and make sure you're. Uh, the right wind direction. That's just yeah. A, a throwing word back hitting someone in the face. <laughs> it, it is an issue. So imagine trying to smuggle somebody in through ashes. If you like the fucking Shawshank Redemption, yeah, you know like what I mean. The Midnight Express. Yeah, bleeding <laughs> ash in your pocket and you're tapping her out on the plane. Then fucking hell. We had another zinger. Okay, that was a lot. We got a lot out of that zinger. Yeah, we milked it's that. All about <laughs> death boys. Yeah, well, I I didn't bring it up this time. No, I did, I didn't start the death shit. It was no. the kidney thing. And then the second one was. Would you rather get 100,000 euros as a check or 200,000 euros as 10 cent coins? Of course I'd rather get 200,000 euros as 10 cent coins. 10 cent coins? Yeah. I'll be allowed to bring it to the bank. You just go to the bank. Like, yeah, but like... If you're not allowed changing, you're only allowed to spend the rest of 10 cent coins. Let's oh, that okay, day, so yeah. we're going to change it to... Well, you even going to the bank with all that? That's a yeah, lot. Yeah, could just got It's a hundred grand bank. difference. Yeah. It is. It's a hundred grand just difference. Just fill a load of black bags of 10 cent coins. Yeah. Spend, the, the right. spend the rest of your life in Dr. Quirky's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone, right? Yeah. Is it? Yeah. No. no. It's still there. It's still there. It's still there. Yeah, fuck that, man. Yeah. The rest of your life in Quirky's, man. But if you if you could only spend that as the 10 cent coins... That's a good one. I'm taking the 100 grand check. I'm not bringing 10 cent coins everywhere to spend it. Yeah, it's an inconvenience, but it's 100 grand worth of inconvenience. Yeah, it's doubling you know? your money, Terry. No, we know No, that. I wouldn't give up my kidney for 200 grand worth of 10 cent <laughs> coins, but I would definitely take 200 grand worth of 10 cent coins over a 100 grand check. Surely you can buy a gaff cash and just roll up to someone's gaff and be like, there's your money there. It's in 10 cent coins, as you said, cash. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, are you telling me that... A hundred grand is not worth the convenience of having 10 cent coins? Well, let's say you're not going to buy something huge like a fucking gaff or something in bulk, but you're just going to spend it. So you want to go to town and buy a pair of runners in the tracksuit or you want to go and get food. You have to bring like pockets full of 10 cent coins. Yeah, but you just, just organize it. it and you just know that you have all this money, so you mm, get it organized. organized. I know, but like imagine... Still 10 cent yeah, but it's 100 G. I, 100 grand. I'm not accepting But that. imagine you went out for a meal. No you and your missus go out for a meal and it's 80 quid. Yeah, that's 800 coins you have to pay. Here it is here. Yeah, but I got it in my little rolls. Boom. 
<laughs> yeah, but they still have to count it to make sure. They can't trust, trust you. Trust me, I'm just going to renovate the gaff and the builder can fuck off because he was the one that said, oh, can you pay me in cash? Yeah, that's so what I mean. Yeah, just throw Shit. it back on a builder. Yeah, builder's not, a builder's not going to say no to cash. No. It's just the way it is. You just pay him every day. So you're looking to pawn it off on someone else. Now that's your problem. This is legal tender. Your problem. Yeah, but how long does this stipulation that it has to stay in 10 cent coins last? Forever, until it leaves oh, your yeah. hands. They're magical, they can never be converted because they're marked yeah. they're from the Northern Bank. Yeah, yeah. That's they're from the Northern nothing. Bank, they can't go near a bank, they're dodgy. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good thing, I thank the 100 grand. Yeah. <laughs> Keep that 10 cent coin. I'm not, you're, you'll be coming to me in a couple of years being like, can I borrow some money? Be like, fuck off, you had your chance to have another yeah. house. Yeah, you after the podcast. Can I borrow some when you need to buy a kidney that's what it's going to be <laughs> yeah. uh, Dej you're back in Ireland how has it been being back here because you've been in the States a long time yeah well I was back here in autumn and I'm back now I mean I'm good I'm, I'd be bouncing back and forth you mm. know? but you spent a long time in the States haven't you this, a good since thing. I saw you guys and you was I married when I saw you guys the last time I don't know I know we've been chatting on Instagram but I don't think I was married yet 21 yeah, 20, I wasn't married 21. yet, man. March. It was, it was, it was leading up to my wedding because I was still, I was just before I did that show on Tala. Because actually, I remember I was just about to get surgery on my hip because mm. I had the surgery. I did a show on Tala and I had some people that had bought tickets because they listened to the podcast, which, so that's why I remember. So yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, it was coming it was on two 22. years ago. It was 22. It was coming yeah. on two years ago. So I wasn't married yet. I got married a couple of months after that. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm sorry to hear yeah, yeah, whichever way, way yeah, commiserations. Like people home. say, what's it like? So, what's grand? You know, she does comedy, I do comedy. So we're only together half the time. And then like people under 30 are like, wow, that must be hard. And then people over 50 are like, you're going to have a great marriage. <laughs> yeah. You know, so whatever, you know, it depends. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, it, it, it's going great. I mean, I've been, what, what did I do? I did <clears throat> after that time. Oh yeah, actually I've only come back for short trips since I was here for a good chunk of time that time I did Talking Bollocks the last time. And then since then, I've only been bouncing back and forth, actually. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's grand. It's grand yeah. being in the States. So I'm just focusing on stand-up, really. You know? What's it like over there? Is it, is it, like, anytime you go on Twitter or anytime you look on the internet and you see the news, the place is just constantly burning down. Is it really as bad as what it's made out to be? Well, I mean, it's, it's stressful, mm. you know? Like, in that everything is hot. Nothing is calm, yeah. you know? Every issue gets too incendiary, you know, gets too on fire, too quick. Everyone's very divided. Everyone's in their camp, you know? So all that stuff is real. But in real life, it doesn't feel that way. But online, it definitely feels that way. And in the news, it feels that way. And I think that the threat of it boiling over into something, you know, more real, more like every day is there. But everyday life isn't like that. But in saying that, you do tend to like know who you're around in terms of what you'll say or not say. More just like, cause I'm just not in the mood to get into it. Yeah. Because mm. the people that are most in a position, whether it's I love Trump or I hate Trump or whatever the position is, you know, the people that are most into those positions, they get very heated very fast. And in my younger years, I used to love that, you know, heated chats with these people, you know, trying to be right. But now I just don't. And now it's worse than it ever was for like how intense it can get. So it's just not worth it. I feel like that's like one of the first questions Americans ask each other. Like that's like one of the conversation openers is who you support. No, no. It's These days it's the opposite because- It's not worth it. People know it's that if you're opposite, that it could ruin the whole vibe. Mm. 
And like, it's a really that deep over there, yeah? What? It depends, you know, but like, it's not in that, like, I'll give you an example, right? I play golf with a lot of older dudes because I'm a comedian, so I can play golf during the day and they're all retired. They're all Trumpies. They love Trump. Mm. I don't. I hate Trump. We get on great. We never talk about it. It's an odd joke, but that we're cool like that. Mm. But in general, with people that you wouldn't like know as well, I, I don't get into it, man. Yeah, you know, it just it just seems online that like America is a is not a good place. Yeah, but to be online, it, online yeah. does not represent it in reality. Yeah, that's why I, I wanted to hear your take on but, it. You know but, what I mean? but but the tension that's there exists, mm. but it's not as inflamed or it's not as explosive in the real world as it is online. Yeah. Because online you see people just killing each other. Yeah, because one oh, thing I always think about Americans is they take everything so seriously. And even when, like, do you ever watch any reality shows where Americans in them and you're just like, oh, for fuck's sake, like, is it really, it's like this over-exaggeration everything. I watched the, uh, did you watch the Squid Games? The real life it. one. And you're just like, the Americans in it and they're just like, oh my God, I need to win this show because my mother lost a kidney and I, I just miss yes. her so much. And then it, it cuts in English and he's like, yeah, I just want to win the money. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? The Yanks, they, the Yanks love that shit though. They love it. They, they lap love it up. They love like, it. It's not a big contrast between going there and then you come back out and like, no one takes anybody serious. Huh? Everyone's like, this fella. Yeah, but you New York I mean? is a lot more like Ireland though, you know? New York is not like what you're seeing there with the Squid Game. Because New York is like cosmopolitan city very influenced actually by the Irish and the Italians. So New York culture is not exactly what you think of when you think of America. Mm. So I don't see like as much of a, I'm not feeling as much of a difference. Plus to be honest, I've spent my whole life between both places. So, so they both yeah. feel yeah. natural to me. You yeah. know what I mean? So I don't think about that that much. Yeah. But comedy wise, it's fun in the States because you got a lot of shows and all this stuff that we're talking about, not that I joke about it directly, but the energy that it creates it's kind of good for the for the clubs, you know. Yeah. And it it, it the, the doing comedy there is fun, actually. You know, I have to say that that's one thing that I that I'm enjoying. Yeah, I see. yeah. Have a new special. Though. I wasn't gonna bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to. I can't believe you mentioned it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But uh, yeah, so. Some of that material was written for Ireland. Actually, truth be told, I recorded some of that material before. Some of those bits are actually from like 2015, but I recorded them again because they've been doing the rounds around America, doing those American comedy clubs. Nobody knows who I am there. So you got to prove yourself. And that's actually good for your comedy. So I think the energy of the American comedy clubs has made me like a better comic. Yeah. So that's on YouTube. People should check it out. It's very funny because in the comments, all the Americans that have never heard of me before are going, this guy's doing a Bill Burr impersonation. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, bro, I've been fucking doing comedy since 1997. Yeah. <laughs> I'm influenced by Tommy Tiernan. You know, yeah. I'm not influenced by fucking Bill Burr. But, you know, people here, I guess, angry white Northeastern guy, they can't hear the difference in my accent. So there's people in the comments being like, this guy's ripping off Bill Burr. And then there's all these Irish people being like, He's fucking here since the fucking mid-1990s. Maybe Bill Burr's fucking copying him, you know? They say, yeah, people taking it personally. Yeah, defending you. Because yeah. now, in the, in the special, you said that you haven't done much comedy in America. Oh, did you watch it? Of course I watched it. Oh, no, fuck's sake. So, Me and Freddie were homework days. Give us a bit of credit. That, in terms of that bit, where I'm setting up that bit about my name, yeah? Like, it's a 100% a fact that after China 2015, I started doing more stuff in the States. It's not as recent as it sounds when I do that bit, but like after China, I started spending more time there, including my mother was sick, right? So I had to spend more time there. And I had to start being good in American comedy clubs. Do you know that in the mid, I, I was filming Joy in the Hood, Bally Mon, 2004, 
No, early 2005. It was the early winter of 2005. And I got asked to do the Aspen Comedy Festival, which was quite prestigious but, and very American. And I went from doing workshops with fucking Willa and Eric, right? And doing a show in Ballymun <laughs> about fucking tellies coming off balconies and fucking butter vouchers and all this, right? <laughs> so, which is killing in fucking Ballymun, you know? Fucking jokes about working and getting the social welfare. You know, just like, this, this shit was killing and it was awesome. And then honestly, I went to the States. I'm not gonna lie, I kind of bombed. I did okay after a couple of shows, but the first couple of shows, I really was shit because I wasn't prepared. I didn't know what worked over there. And my brain was just so like in another place. So there was a long time where every now and then I would do a show in the States and I was not good. I didn't know what I was doing mm. over there because I was so Irish over here. Yeah. You know? But I wouldn't trade it because those moments are special, you know? I'm not just bringing it up because I'm talking to you guys, but I always think of that as the example of like, you know, people don't realize how exciting it is for me to murder in the States. Like I do really, I do really fucking well now, you know? Yeah. And there's specials, you can see all these Americans going, who the fuck is this guy? Thinking I'm some Johnny come lately. But like, honestly, I've been doing it a long time, but there was also a long time where I was not good outside of Ireland. Like that didn't come till later. Yeah. Honestly, th that didn't start until 2008. Mm -hmm. I went to Edinburgh in 2008 and Melbourne in 2008. And that's when I decided I have to do more than just Ireland. And I was doing comedy in 2008. I was already doing comedy 11 years. By the time I started to say, I can't just be fucking doing accents and talking about Ireland. As much as I loved my jokes about fucking butter vouchers. Why did it take you so long to brand you? Because I fucking blew up over here because the work experience blew up. I actually canceled a show in Edinburgh. I was actually, I was, I was doing all right in Edinburgh, 2000, 2002. 2002, I did a show called Comical Warfare because it was chemical warfare. It was post 9-11, yeah. the war in Iraq. And they were talking a lot about chemical warfare. So I called the show Comical Warfare. And I actually, I did have some good bits then about 9-11, the post 9-11 world. And it was kind of, you know, intense kind of material. And, uh, but then I canceled a run in Edinburgh in 2003 because I got the work experience. Like I, I was filming. I, when I was supposed to be in Edinburgh, I was uh, stocking, oh, I was working in the Central Hotel for minimum wage, mm -hmm. which was all the way back in 2003, which is sad. It's 20 years since the work experience came out, which just makes me feel old. But anyway, that's what happened. Why did I not branch out was I just got mad busy over here and I just was like, I was doing insane amounts of shows and I just ran with it. But why does that then make you want to branch out? What, what's the goal from branching out then? If you're already so busy over in Ireland, what makes you want to fuck off to Edinburgh and Melbourne? And well, that was 2004, 2005, 2006, 2007. You know, you just want to progress. You know what I mean? You just want to, you want to kind of see what else is out there. You know, it, Ireland's a small country and we were all like that though. It wasn't just me. It wasn't like a personal thing for me. That's what we were all doing. Me, David O'Doherty, Neil Delamere, Deirdre O'Kane, like all my contemporaries of that time, Jason Byrne, that's what we were all doing, you know? But I was actually, I was behind all them because I blew up over here and they were all around the world doing better, particularly Edinburgh and Melbourne. So actually I was like, I was late to the party as far as that stuff goes, but I'm glad I did. I mean, it was great crack. So, so now you're in New York, you're doing shows. So what's the goal then? Over World there, domination, just, bro. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Killing the fucking gang, bro. <laughs> but really? Fucking next level, yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 no, like, I What's mean, the goal, Des? Where did uh, you have that, Honestly, my current, my current immediate goal yeah. is to get to a level where I can sell a lot of tickets in the States. And that's very achievable. And the what's special, a lot of tickets? The special is part of that. 
Mm. Yeah. It's to go to a city like Columbus, Ohio, where there's no fucking Irish and there's nobody that knows me other than these videos that they've started seeing in recent times mm. on my jokes that relate to them. Yeah. And this is not turning my back on Ireland, but it's no, just yep. saying like, yeah. hey, I got some funny shit for you guys too. Yeah. And I want those people to come to my show because they found my shit recently and go, we love this guy. The same way people came to see me in 2004 because they saw the work experience and they were like, we love this guy. He's an American guy, knows about Ireland. Now I want these guys to be like, he's a fucking 48-year-old New Yorker who fucking makes me laugh and they come to my show. And to be honest, it's fun to try to figure out all the complicated shit we were talking about before about how fucked up America is. You want to try to make sense of that and make mm. it funny. And maybe the the high level goal would be maybe you could have one or two meaningful jokes that make people think a little bit. I'm not such a fucking egomaniac that I think I'm going to change the world. But like the best comics over my lifetime, the Bill Hickses and the Richard Pryors and Tommy Tiernan at his best. And, you know, they're challenging your point of view, right? I think that's the best comedy. So you would hope in this current crazy time that you could drop a couple of bits that make them think. Because even though I'm an outsider in Ireland, I'm a little bit of an outsider over there because I'm, I've been here all my life. So I don't have the same patriotic connections. I don't even have the same like, this is the type of American that I am. I'm pretty objective. So hopefully I can take that objectivity and throw a couple of zingers out. <laughs> that'll drop in a way that people go okay that's a good that's a good point of view and have you got a run of shows lined up in america no i did a run of shows actually up until very recently now i dropped the special so now i'm at the comedian's worst time i have to fucking write a ton of new shit yeah which is stressful so does all your shows lead up it is the special yeah it leads up to them when the special drops that goes out now you have to rewrite a whole new show yeah a whole new show. Well, in saying that, I just admitted that I dropped some old bits into that special, but that was for a new audience. Yeah. But yeah, now I have yeah. to write a whole new show. And see the special, where was that? In New York? Yeah, May in New York. Right, so it wasn't like what the comedians do where they like film the special over like certain shows. Some, oh, some people do that? Yeah. The more normal thing is that they film the same venue, same clothes two or three times, which is what I did. I filmed it twice. One 7 o'clock show, one 9.30 show. But you can't tell when you watch it, but... Mm. The magic of television. That's how it, it is two shows. If you pay really close attention, you'll notice the front row is different on the, the shadow couch. of it. Yeah. Somebody will notice. Yeah. They've already noticed that my fly looks open. It wasn't. It was just the way that the pants fit. <laughs> you know why? Because I fucking tore my calf playing paddle in Port Marnock in fucking April, right? Was playing with Robbie Keane. Can I drop a fucking name? I finally... I fi I've never heard a more pretentious yeah. sentence on this podcast. I taught Robbie my calf. Pretentious. Have you ever fucking heard this comment? I taught my calf playing paddle. <laughs> playing paddle in Port Martin with Robbie Keane. Nah, Dad, come on. Man. I was playing fucking Port Martin with Robbie I was very excited. He's paddle? A what the fuck is even paddle? What is paddle? Yeah. Listen, I can't change the fact that you have no culture. There's nothing I can do about that. I'm kidding. It's a new sport. I'm kidding. It's more likely that you wouldn't know what paddle It sounds is. like something a four-year-old to play. Yeah. You want out there and play paddle I'll with your cousin. <laughs> I'll tell you what it is, right? It's a hybrid between squash and tennis. Really? So it has a back wall on both sides, and you can hit it off the back wall. And it's it's more it's a paddle, like a wooden paddle, but it's more like a tennis ball. And it, it is good crack. Like, I absolutely... Here's a challenge for the Talking Bollocks podcast. Get somebody... I'm leaving tomorrow, but otherwise I would take you. Get somebody to play paddle with you 
I fucking guarantee you, you'll be into it. Well, I tell you Bring what, Robbie Keane and ask him what they doing. Yeah. I'm not on that. We were just playing together. I, I'm not trying to say like he's my mate or anything. I was very excited to be playing fucking paddle with Robbie Keane. And three minutes into the fucking match, my calf popped. I thought a Hurley had been hitting on, onto the thing. But he was like, no, not your calf. And thank God he was there because he knew, you know. <laughs> it's a good and, <laughs> But uh, anyway, uh, I tore my calf. And as a result... I had hardly any mobility between April and fucking May when I recorded the special and I blew up like a fucking balloon. I fucking got fat. So the suit didn't really fit me. So it's so fucking stretched on my waist that the fly looks open. So people notice this shit. It's an optical illusion. So you're saying yourself and Robbie aren't really mates. No, no, I know him. So how would you just go and play? That he, was in, he was in like a circle of people that I know that play paddle. So doubles is off the cards then. It's, it, still can't play those two is what you're saying. Yeah. You can. It's double. It's it's a doubles game. It's not a singles game. But it, it, what I'm saying is if you text him, he's probably going to leave you on the scene. I don't have his number. Are so you not in like a paddle WhatsApp group together and everyone's like, anyone free Tuesday, I, 8 o'clock? Who has the court book? Honestly, when the I brought this up, court, I didn't want to talk court. about Robbie Keane as much as we're talking about. <laughs> no, just kidding. I'm not going to be able to organize a game of paddle. But what I am telling you is that I got very fat before the special, so my suit doesn't fit me properly. So you will notice the two different crowds and you will notice that my fly looks open, but it's not. So what you were again? So did I hear you correct in saying that was two different shows? Yeah. Yeah. I thought you were saying that you just picked the best one out of two. Are you saying you cut half of yeah, one you, and half of the that's, other? That's what you they cut do. between. Yeah, you cut between. What? You know, most what? specials that you've ever seen is done that way. Why? Loads of reasons. Number yeah. one reason being sometimes one crowd's better than the other. Yeah. Or you fluff a line, or you just say it better the first time, or you get a good bit of crowd work from one crowd but the rest of the show is better from the other one you know there's just tons of stuff oh, like and usually most comedians will go right i'm gonna just make sure that i get all the bits out right on the first show and then if we get what we want like if we feel like we have it then i'll be very loose on the second show and that's how you can pick up little magic moments little bit of silliness little bit of improv that mm -hmm. gives it maybe maybe you get a little bit more of like a live energy you know? Yeah. And then obviously the production people like, you get extra laughs, they get crowd shots. A lot of times in the second show, if they really feel like they have it, they'll instruct one camera person to make sure that they get a lot of crowd shots and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Just stuff that you need for the show. Have you worked on any big American comedians? I mean, they're always at the cellar. Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, Louis C.K. Like Amy Schumer, all the time. It's probably no big deal for all those comedians to mingle together. Like, ah, it depends. The first time I Chris Rock's there a lot. First time I met Chris Rock, I was very nervous. Were you starstruck? I was one hundred percent starstruck. He he's my hero, my generation, my age group. Yeah, he's one of the best, like one of the best. And I was sitting across from him trying to play it cool, but I was like, this is the guy. Yeah, mm. this is this is the guy that I wanted to be like. You know what I mean? So, but now he's been there a lot. I mean, again, just like Robbie Keane, I'm not saying he's my mate, yeah. but like I've sat and had many conversations with him and he's a, he's a very nice guy and he's very into comedy. You end up having amazing chats about comedy, but we've also just had like good crack around the table. Like he's good crack. Yeah. So that was fun. Dave Chappelle, I mean, Dave Chappelle's like away with the fairies in a, in a good way, but he's been around. So I've been around for some of his, some of his chaos. He brings like an energy, you know? 
Mm. I've never talked to Kevin Hart, but he's been there like across the way from me, but I've never talked to him. Yeah. Uh, there's been there's been loads of them. Then in Ireland, like over here, it's like Tommy Tiernan, isn't it? Is he, is I, he like I the, fucking know Tommy Tiernan since nineteen. Yeah, they're just the lads, though, isn't it? Yeah, really, they, that's they no big all deal. Just like one big click together. All yeah, I mean, we don't hang. I don't see Tommy that much now. But like when I started, he was actually very good to me when I started. Like he kind of gave me a lot of like words of confidence, and you know, you know, I, I opened up for him in Galway, and he he just gave me a lot of advice early on. So he was quite he was blowing up when I started. So I looked up to him a lot, actually. All those guys, Dara, Brink. I mean, the Dublin guys that got big, we all just hung out together mm. all the time. Who was that that told us? There was, we had a comedian on. Was it Willa? I don't think it was. Somebody said, oh, was it Jason Bourne? We had Jason on. Said that Tommy was the first one to have an agent, and everyone was slagging him over having an agent. I think it was Jason. Yeah, Bourne. and then he got the same agent. Yeah. Jason did. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, Jason's one of my closest friends in comedy and all that stuff. So all those early years were fun. Those are always the fun years. Mm. The beginning, yeah. you know, it's all new and exciting. And you feel like that's happening again now for you? Like, do you feel like a newcomer when you're sitting there with Chris Rock and be like, oh, I'm trying to prove myself here, even though you're... You have like 20 plus years under the belt. To a degree. I don't feel like a newcomer because I know that I've, you know, I've been around for like a long time, but I, I am trying to fit into like a new scene. But the bigger feeling, <laughs> nothing to do with Chris Rock, because that's only every now and then. Yeah. Normally at the Comedy Cellar, it's just a bunch of comics like myself waiting to do a set, nervous, and also excited after you have a good set because it's a great comedy club. So the bigger feeling is that it's back to the way it used to be when I started, which was all the comics hanging out together doing spots. And that's fun and that's exciting. And that gives you a love of the game back. Not that I lost the love of the game, but you forget how fun that is. Yeah. You know, and you forget how inspiring it is to be around a lot of other comics. Because what happens is you get big, you start touring, and it's just you and your opener. Yeah. You stop seeing all the acts. Whereas at the Comedy Cellar, I'm standing there waiting to go on. Some other kid is on before me. He's killing awesome bits. And it's making you think about your own bits. It's also putting it up to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, mm -hmm. it puts it up to you. Be like, follow that motherfucker. So all that stuff comes back and that makes you sharp again. Because you can, you can get dull. Yeah. Like you absolutely can get lazy and you can get too used to walking out in front of your own audience. Like you walk out in front of... 250 people in the village underground at the comedy cellar and they don't know who the fuck you are you got to win them over in 60 seconds you don't have to do that you know when you walk out and talk a bollocks show the first 10 minutes is so fucking easy because it's just they're so excited to see you they're like yeah the lads are here yeah great and but then it settles down and you got to keep them you yeah know? you have to keep yeah. them going yeah but yeah. you don't have the 10 minute reprieve you don't have the 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 easy one as i call it so that makes you sharp again and then when you take that energy to your crowd, they're like, whoo, what the fuck happened to this guy? He's yeah. fucking, he's on fire. So you said you're doing a load of shows in America now. You've done Ireland inside out, yeah? But I am doing a new tour of Ireland at the end of the 2024 autumn and 2025 winter. Oh, really? I Hang haven't on. like, I haven't let go of Ireland. It just so happens that Hannah, honestly, the biggest thing was that my wife blew up. In the, not in the way that I blew up after I tore my calf. I mean, <laughs> career-wise, she blew up since we met. So had that not happened, we'd probably be spending half the year here, but things are going so hot for her there. It's just literally like a like a life choice to go, it's better for us to be in the States more. And has she ever been here? She's been here twice, yeah. And what do you think of it? It's great, she was staying in Rialto and she still loved Ireland, so you know what I mean? <laughs> so she must love Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So, <laughs> when did you meet then? Because since you met, so when did you always meet? We met, 
I slid into her DMs. As you do. In the yes. in the middle of the pandemic. Yeah. Oh. Tell us how we did it, Des. Now, come yeah, on. come on. Talk us through. One step did you reply to our story? Did you like <laughs> our like story? story. It's really not an exciting... <laughs> it's not an exciting... <laughs> bro, I, I'm in my 40s. I'm not great with the fucking emojis now, but... No, uh, you're all no you're on the ground, Des. I'm, I'm all right. Anyway, it, it's not a very exciting story. It's a very quick story. All right. So I think at some stage, she was on a comedian... Do you know the comedian Nikki Glaser? No. No. Uh, American comic. Very funny. So I saw Hannah on her story, I guess. So I just followed her. It was like nothing. Just like another comedian, kind of cute. I followed her. There was nothing to it. Didn't even like stalk the gram or anything. I was just like, followed her. Yeah. Thoughtlessly. Did she follow and you back? I didn't know she did. Okay. So, but her stuff would be popping up on my stories from time to time. So I became familiar with her. I knew she was on some Bravo reality show, but I didn't know anything about it. But I was very familiar with her. The whole world fell apart. The pandemic happens. And at some stage in the middle of July or early July, she pops up on my story and I see that she's near me out in Long Island where I was staying. So then I check and I see she follows me, which I didn't know. Really? So then I was like, wait a minute. I didn't notice that happened. So she followed me. So that's already, that's half the battle. Half that's the battle. half the battle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We're getting there. So I messaged her and I said, oh, I see that you're out east, which is just a way of saying she was out in the eastern end of Long Island. Do you want to meet for coffee? Yeah. And she said, yeah. And I said, when? And she said, what about Saturday? And I said, she was staying in Shelter Island. She actually have to get a ferry. So I said, I'll pick you up from the ferry at two o'clock on Saturday. And I picked her up in a BMW convertible. Yeah. And that was all she <laughs> I locked that shit down yeah. because I, I'd never gone out with a comedian before. Yeah. And I was very against it. But it was so funny because the minute we met, we like, boom, like hit it off and was just like making fun of each other. And we had a similar sense of humor. So actually, I kind of regretted that. I was like, damn, maybe I should have, maybe I shouldn't have been so resistant to going out with a comic. And uh, very quick romance. I honestly, th this sounds stupid, but if anybody's bored, I was doing the Des Bishop podcast at that time. And actually at that time, Joanne used to do the podcast with me every week, Joanne McNally. And Joanne had a pain in her howl, howl, with how like infatuated I got with Hannah when I met her. But I really did feel from the minute I met her that she was the one, Yeah, you know? And I was late to the party. And the fucking romance game, like so, I I done plenty of figuring out who wasn't the one. Yeah. So you <laughs> process know, of elimination. <laughs> well, you case. know, I, this was different, and and I was right, but it was immediate. You know, now obviously it was the pandemic. It was a weird time, you know, but it was immediate, and it was a real deep falling in love experience. And so that was July. And then we were engaged in February, and then we were married the following May. So we were married after. Meeting only a year and a half before. Well, that's that, an American yeah. a year, love story. A year and nine months before. That's an American love story. I feel like every you feel American like that's couple. American? Every American what's couple. A, is what's engaged. an Irish love story that quick? We met, accidentally got pregnant, and fucking. Yeah, we up. met, accidentally got pregnant, accidentally got pregnant again, got a gaff. Oh, I have a job, she had a job, we moved on with that, and then we got married 15 years later just for the crack. Yeah. Yeah. And like the engagement's like, do you want to get married? Yeah. Right, I'll look up venue, so, and that's it. None of this big like, oh my God, he got down on one knee and oh. it was in my favorite restaurant and he ordered me favorite I dish. I woke her up. I woke her up with a proposal on Valentine's Day. So I- In the I, gaff like? Yeah. In the gaff? She moved in, she moved in like mid-September. We met in July. She was living with me yeah, mid-September. Like, I, I don't care. 
It's a housing crisis. <laughs> yeah. I love it. In this economy, that's what you have to do. Yeah. <laughs> no, because she had been living with her folks. and She was isolating with her folks in the fucking pandemic. So then I was like, isolate with me. Yeah. I was bored off my fucking tits. Come here, why were you so uh, against being with another I comic? Wasn't, was I wasn't. Was I against getting married? Wait, another wait, a comic. Oh, previous. I just, you know, never shitting your own doorstep, all that stuff. Yeah, you didn't want to bring out walk home with you. I thought it wasn't a good idea, honestly. I thought yeah. it wasn't a good idea. And in saying that, I hadn't I hadn't met any, like, I hadn't said, oh, this woman here is ideal and I, you know, but I won't, it wasn't like that either. But just in my mind, I thought it would be a bad idea, you know? It wasn't my bag, but uh, you know, definitely I was wrong about. Like my thought would have been that it wouldn't be a good idea, but actually for me it was, you know. Mm -hmm. But obviously I was, I was, you know, I was more mature and wiser and stuff like that. You know, I think if I had met somebody in my early years of my comedy career and we went out together, I, I think it just would have been complicated. Like it's, it can be complicated, like if it doesn't work out. You know, with Hannah, I knew very soon that it was going to work out. I just knew in my, my soul. So it was fine, you know, but I, I have seen the other side of it where breakups happen and it's awkward and, you know, the, people don't want to go to this comedy club because she's going to be there, he's yeah. going to be Especially there. Especially in your circle. Do you get me? Because like all comics still kind of, it's kind of clicky, isn't yeah, it? Well, it's a small world. It's all going to yeah, bounce yeah. off. It's a small world. Stage. It's yeah. not the, of all the arts, it's like, there's not a lot of people in it, you know? Yeah. yeah. So come here, you said she blew up, yeah? She's blown up, yeah. Hannah Burner, for those that don't know. Yeah. She's good on the TikTok and all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, are you not good on the old TikTok yourself? I, you strike me as somebody who's good on TikTok. Yeah, remember we did the last podcast yeah. where he had clips going up. Yeah. Oh, I had clips going ball. up before you fucking yeah. did it. <laughs> this one I said earlier on when I said you're good on the gram. You're on the ball with the old clips yeah, in the real. Good in, in, in spits and stuff. Like, mm. I, I'm, I, fits and starts was the expression I was looking for. I have moments where I'm really on it and then I get a pain in my hole with it and I stop. But I'm on a good run at the moment. That's the other thing that she's been great for me because the game has changed. You have to be online. Oh, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean? Attention span's not there anymore, Des. Yeah, it's not in the 30-second clip. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you have to be online. So she basically drilled it into me that I could no longer afford to go through my lazy spells of not putting stuff up. And if you look at the comics that are doing that, like Charlotte Regan's done great out of it. Chris Kent has done great out of it. Emma Doran has done great out of it. Justine Stafford has mm. done great out of it. And these are people who are blowing up because they put in the hard yards. And that's where the hard, when I started comedy, the hard yards were get on stage all the time and get better doing live shows. And that is still the case, but you have to add now, you have to get good at clips and you have to put them up. And if you don't do that and you don't get successful, that's on you. And it kind of sucks if you're in the business as long as I am, because you go, how the fuck did this happen? But you can cry all day, but the game has changed. There's just nothing you can do about it. And that's not even just your line of work. That's in everything. Social well, media has taken over everything if you own a fucking business. Yes. If you fucking do a podcast, it doesn't matter what. Yeah. Social But when you get into it, thinking. it's fun, you know? Yeah. People are doing reels now making cups of coffee. Like, come to me coffee shop, look how I do them. Yeah, yeah. And like, some of them go viral. And you're like, this is mental. You put the right song on. People will be saying to me, like, you do a oh, hashtag or a song and uh, that goes viral. I'm like, that's mad. That's all comics talk about. I don't know if you, if you noticed, but like, people are like, what are comics be talking about? All we talk about is like, what hashtag are you using for that? Like, I fucking put, this fucking bit, I thought I was going to fucking do loads and did fuck all. Then I I put up this fucking lump of shit of me fucking, you know, cleaning me kitchen and it fucking did a million. What the fuck? You know, like that's all we talk about. Everyone's obsessed with how our videos are doing. Mm. So that's just the way it is. But it's, you know, you get into it. Like I put up a bit the other day about not being circumcised, which is very normal here, but in the States. Yeah, it's, it's very strange. Yeah. But actually, since I recorded that special, I do that bit better. So I actually took the bit and I changed the fucking order of the bit around. 
and I made it better in the edit, you know, which I basically made it the way that I do it now, but I didn't do it that night. So I fucking put the bits back and forth and like, it's, it's actually fun. You know, to be able to do that. Yeah. But I can imagine if you if you did come up as long ago as you did. So it's 97, bro. That's a long time, bro. You know, I, I think there's people Mary to Robinson, this not even born. Mary Robinson was still the president. Yeah. Yeah, like that's like that's a long time ago. Yeah. So if you started it then, no camera phones, none of this well, the camera phones, but I mean none no, of this recording. No, there was no when I started comedy, there was camera phone didn't exist yet. In fact, it had just switched from 088 analog technology to 087 GSM. So when I started comedy was the first year that you could send an SMS text. So that's actually, and actually that was the other fun fact from years ago. Nokia phones used to have the, when you got a text that used to go, do you remember that? Boy writing across the table. No, but it actually went, do you know what that was? It's SMS in Morse code. Little fun fact. That's not a zinger. There you go. Fun fact. This fella mm -hmm. would have known that. No, I'm surprised. You didn't know that. No, I, I, I'm not expected to know this. I, I didn't know it either until I was told. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not. No, but he usually now. has some useless bit of information like that in his head. Do you get me? I feel like someone told us that on this. Oh really? Something to do with SMS. Probably, Can you probably me. It's probably me. I'm probably doing old material yeah. from the last time. Can you hear them crickets? I can't. There was crickets here a second ago. Nah, you're having a stroke, bro. You alright? <laughs> shush! Shush! <laughs> shush! They keep fucking starting to those crickets. Trust I can me. see the documentary now in 20 years' time about you progressively losing your mind. Worse, yeah. <laughs> You'll be on the talking head. You know, I remember that day we were home with Des Bishop and you fucking started hearing things. <laughs> Des, I want to uh, ask you about hecklers. So surely you've been heckled before, especially yeah. here. Now, can I just say before we have the conversation, and I'm not shutting the conversation down, but I do want to put this out there immediately. Heckling is not as much a part of our business as people think and it gets talked about a lot more than it exists in our job but with that said what's the question what's it like being heckled in the u.s compared to over here it's rarer in the u.s actually i had a feeling now it seems like it's less rare because everyone's putting up crowd work clips now mm. but in actual fact it's not that common you know it's also not that common here but i, I obviously i'm a little better at dealing with hecklers over here because like i just have like a greater cultural back catalog of things that I could throw back at the heckler, depending on the scenario, you know? Mm -hmm. In the States, despite my accent, I'm actually like, I'm not as confident culturally about things that might be going on in the town that I'm in or the accent that I hear or, you know, there's just loads of stuff that I don't know what is right or wrong to say in a scenario. But it doesn't happen that much and I'm still quick enough that I'm gonna deal with it. But you know, it's annoying. Heckling is annoying. It very rarely adds to the show. And where was I recently? And I had a situation where, oh, I was in Las Vegas. I was doing a week of shows in Las Vegas at the Comedy Cellar. And a guy heckled over the punchline and kind of ruined the joke. And like, that's like one of those situations where like, no matter how well you deal with that heckler, you cannot get back yeah. the fact that the joke got ruined by the heckle. Just literally down to the fact that he talked over the punchline so people didn't hear it, you know? Mm. And there's nothing you can do. But that's just, it's literally part of the job. Like, it's not like, it's not that bad, you know? Have you got an example of one here compared to one in America? I don't really. Because honestly, heckling also doesn't like stay in my mind that yeah. much. I really... If you tell him the example, pass short. Oh, that, that wasn't a heckle. That was Pat Short had a nightmare. Um, oh, really? Pat Short was on, he was telling us a story that he was doing a gig in, was it like some small hall? There was no one in the crowd. And What, back in his early days? 
yeah, and he was giving the lows to some fella in the crowd. And he was giving him off the stick and your man was like didn't have a clue, he wasn't responding. And uh, it turns out your man was blind. So your man didn't know he was actually giving him stick. You know what I mean? And he's oh, just like, right. oh, so he just, he said he just crumbled up on the stage. You know what I mean? It's mm. funny because we used to have a regular that came into the international who was blind and he loved the show. So we established a thing. I did, it didn't, it just happened naturally where he would deliberately always come in late and he would come in with his stick and I would say, oh, uh, how you doing? And he'd go, oh, hey, it's nice not to see you. <laughs> yeah. That, and that was his line. And it always got a laugh <laughs> until he stopped coming. He was like, he was our regular. He always gave a bit back. He was very funny, but I've, trust me, I've had scenarios. I had one that ended up like in the tabloids about somebody was like shouting out all the time. And eventually I asked them to be removed, but it turned out that they had Tourette's and they, they had a lot of like, they had a lot of stuff going on, but nobody told me. So I had no idea. Nobody said like, oh, that's going to keep happening because he can't control it. You know, nobody said anything. And then the story got evolved into, I asked somebody, you know, uh, with a disability to leave my show and that ended up in all the papers. But that's not what happened. Well, what it happened? is. Yeah, but nobody knew. <laughs> but this content. No, no, but they made it seem like I did it. You know, they made it seem like I was like, get out of the show, you know, which is like, that's not what happened. Yeah. But uh, so I've had a few awkward situations like that. But this was like, once I knew, I would have been like, okay, that's fine. But yeah. I, I, I didn't know, you know. Yeah. And the audience didn't know either. Can none of you say the, the crickets? No. I, I can't hear crickets, man. No, I can't hear crickets, brother. I can't. If I can hear crickets, I tell you I can hear crickets. I don't Have you know seen A Beautiful Mind? Have you seen the movie A Beautiful Mind? Is that Russell Crowe? Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like it. Yeah. Well, I, I think you need to watch it again. You're hearing things, bro. This is like, you know what this is like, right? When we started this podcast, we used to do it in Terrence's gaff, right? Yes. And his smoke alarm needed the battery oh, to be changed. Is there anything worse right. than the battery needing to be changed? I never heard. But he always, he was adamant <laughs> that he was so conditioned to it, he couldn't hear it. There's fucking crickets going on, trust me. <laughs> but anyways, it used to beep, right? Yeah. And people used to text in and be like, I'm going around my gaff checking all the smoke alarms, not realising that it's actually coming from the podcast, not my gaff. And I'd say to Terrence, like, yeah, like, change that bleeding battery. And he'd be like, what battery? And I'd be like, Terrence, the smoke alarm's going off in your gaff. But when we'd bring her up in conversation, he'd be like, I can't hear that. And then it'd beep and he'd twitch. And I'd be like, I know you heard that because you reacted to it. Uh, he was, no, you were looking for a reaction. Like, you were trying to see what I react. But, but you I, did react. I never beep, reacted. reacted. I never reacted. I never heard the fucking thing. There's... By the way, I had a fucking smoke alarm beeping and I had no idea what it was for the longest time, but it was in the fucking drawer. What? It wasn't up on the wall. So it was in the drawer. So that's why I never found it. And then finally, after like four weeks, oh, fucking thing, it was the most annoying thing apart, all yeah. the time. So your missus is a comic. Yes. Would you ever tour together? Oh, we've done shows together. We're doing shows together next week. She has some shows in some fancy areas in the mountains near like ski resorts. So I'm doing. Is that why you're flat out skiing? No, I, I, I'm a skiing because I'm obsessed with skiing. When I was skiing a couple of weeks ago, I was on my own because I was in between shows in Phoenix, Arizona, and Las Vegas. So I had time off. So rather than fly all the way back to New York and then all the way back to the West Coast because the fucking country's huge, I went skiing for two days. But pretty I, humble of you. Yeah. Well, what can I say, bro? Like, listen, my fucking godson <laughs> was skiing last week. He's from fucking Fatima. Okay. <laughs> so don't think it's only fucking fancy people that go skiing. Did I tell you guys on the last time I was on the podcast who my godson is? Yeah. My first yeah, godson. Yeah, Bricker, It's Bricker on a bike. Yeah. Aiden. So he was skiing last week, actually. But uh, so well, he's just, slagging you and he went skiing. Yeah, but oh, hang on. No, no, no. Oh, my, yeah. point, a minute. my point is, yeah. So you said you don't have to be fancy to go skiing. 
but only fancy people are good at skiing. Oh, right. Are you good at skiing? Yeah, but I didn't start skiing until I was in my mid-20s. You could be good. How old are you? 30. You could be great at skiing by the time you're my age if you consistently do it. I'd never go skiing again. You couldn't Really? Play. Yeah, never what again. What happened? I nearly died, mate. I don't care. It's like, I don't understand. It's like, should I be able to give Terrence keys in my car and say, go ahead, you can drive my car now. I don't know if you can, but I'll give you the keys. No, to but it. you're supposed to learn how to drive. So, and you're supposed to learn how to ski. Yeah, but they don't, no one stops you from going down a black scope. Oh, black, uh, black, yeah, it's black, isn't it? Are the big ones. Well, people don't stop you, but only fucking idiots do it. But it's very easy to go up there by accident. Because when you're on the lift, you don't know where you're going, and then you go off, and you be like, "Oh, sorry, this is not the slope I wanted to go off." And you be like, "Well, you can't go back down on the lift. You have to go down the slope." And you're like, "Oh yeah." Did you not do ski school? Yeah, and your one fucking filled me full of confidence. She's like, "Have you ever skied before?" There's and a lot of you not taking responsibility. No, listen to this. <laughs> the usual days. Trust me, I'm hurt every day. Listen to this. So we did it for an hour, right? And your one was like, "Have you skied before?" I was like, "No." And then half an hour in, she was like, "Are you sure you've never skied before?" I was like, "No." She was like, "You're very good." I was like, "The fucking must be lethal." Like, and your one, after like forty-five minutes, she was like. I've nothing else to show you. She's like, you're, you're grand. And then I started thinking to myself, I must be lethal, yeah? Had a very bad accident then the next day. And I was like, that cunt just wanted to finish yeah, really. but you, you That's what happened you, there. You probably went on something too steep. Too steep? I was doing the pizza French fry thing, yeah? yeah. And even when I was doing the pizza, I wasn't slowing down. I was just speeding yeah, up. you were too steep. So how are you supposed to slow down then? Well, you're only supposed to be on the greens. But even when you're going pizza on No, pizza steep. is only a... Pizza is not even real skiing. Pizza is like... Training wheels. See, that's how posh he is. He knows that. <laughs> no, but pizza is training wheels. So, like, basically, you only have pizza as, like, a way to help you to slow down while you're learning. Yeah. But pizza doesn't work past the learning gradient of the slope. So, when I was down there, right, I actually got so fed up of falling. I took them off. The skis off. And I walked down. And everyone wow. was, like, looking at me. And some woman came over and... She was in, I say, mid-50s. And she goes, give me your skis and I'll leave them down there for you. So she went skiing oh, that was nice. down with my skis under her arm, made a show of me, and I'm there walking down with the poles. Well, years ago, when I took my godchild and his brother and sister skiing, Denise, who's now your age and who may listen to this, she was doing great. But we ended up like, it was a long day and we were at the top of a mountain. And the only way down quickly was to take a red. So I actually just put her piggyback. Somebody else took her skis and I piggybacked her down the whole mountain. You're showing off now. No, but I'm just saying like, you know, you'd be like that. All you'd have to do is commit. I, but you're over it now, which is yeah. fine. I never do it again. Because it's great crack. Never do it again, Des. And see, when I was going down, I was coursing me board for booking it because she went down the wrong slope as well. So she's somewhere else in this fucking ski resort and I'm going down here and everyone's laughing at me and I'm reevaluating my life choices. So I'm like, oh, I'm fucking from the flats. I'm at the ground up in Dublin. What the, who the fuck do I think I am going skiing and all? This is your own fault, Calvin. I with myself then I got to the bottom then I bumped into me missus and she was like you left me I was like oh I left you you fucking left me and the two of us killed each other then wow. <laughs> we left the skis we had the skis rented for three days and we gave them back then two days early Your man wow. gave us the money back and I was like but that's a yeah that, that, you, you know what you, you were with the wrong people you were guided wrong had I taken your skiing now you'd still love it yeah but I hey listen the skiing thing is, is, is neither here nor there I'm doing shows with Hannah because she's doing shows like in big venues and fancy ski resorts so that will be a fun trip so I'll do the shows with her there. But in general, we don't do that many shows together. I mean, her audience is very different, you know? Mm. Her audience is like millennial Gen Z women, and they're great, and I have a good time, but like, it's different. It's, it's almost niche. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And like, when I have a bit more of a, let's face it, man, I, I, I need a slightly older audience, you know? And they, they get my shit a little bit more, you know? I don't agree with that. 
To a degree. Not, to not a always. Degree, yeah. To a degree. At yeah. times. We listen to the special. And we, well, he's only saying to him, when you're on, it's gold. Yeah. You guys falling around laughing. I think I it's hilarious. You know, like when you're, when you're brought up in the fucking Dublin, like, you know, you guys, Can you right? not hear that I can't thing? hear it. I can't hear anything. Stop talking. I don't know where I'll give up. I'll give up. I swear to God, I'll give up. I really heard him cricket. I mean, Maz, leave. I, I wouldn't interrupt the podcast to make this well, up. I'm just saying it's a bad sign. Des, you are about to tell a good story. Every time you talk, it's like a cricket goes off. Maybe I'm vibrating. Maybe, maybe I, my voice is too strong that it's vibrating. But anyway, you got it, which is good. By the way, I don't, first of all, you're not as young as you think, but no, 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 I'm just kidding. I don't. But no, but honestly, Irish people, Irish people get it. One of the great things has been how much that stuff translated to the States. Mm. Do you get many Irish at your shows in the States? Oh yeah, in certain places. Mm. Like in Boston, it's like I'm famous. I was going to say, Boston, that's mm. big. Yeah, in Boston, I can do big numbers. Like I, I go in there like as if I'm well-known in the States. And then I go to Tampa, Florida, and I, I'm like <laughs> crickets. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've played to some small crowds now in some like very American cities. I've played to some small crowds, but it's fun to win them over and tell them yeah. to bring their friends and all that. That's more like an exercise, like a challenge for me to do that. But, you know, Boston, Chicago, Philadelphia, San Francisco, cities like that, a lot of Vancouver. I haven't done that, but I mean to do that. Toronto, a lot of Irish. And that's fun, but I've done that for a long time. I've done playing to Irish people abroad for a long time, and I yeah. love it. But sometimes I want to separate it out because what's annoying sometimes is I sometimes I would go to Melbourne, especially like post the crash, you know, 09, 2010, 2011, a lot of Irish in Australia. And I would have... 70% Irish people and 30% Australians. And it would be fucking chaos and it would be great crack, but it would be very Irish, which is great. And that's what the Irish want. And then the Australians would be like, just didn't get it, mate. You know, it just doesn't mean, doesn't mean anything to them. And then the Irish would be like, I don't know how you perform to the Australians. They have no sense of humor. Every, <laughs> every Irish person that I've met abroad has complained that the place they are, the locals, there's no crack. Yeah, yeah. They have no sense of humor to us. And I always say, well, they do have a sense of humor. They just don't have an Irish sense of humor yeah. in that when you meet somebody for the first time and you call them a cunt, they get offended. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a different, it is a different vibe. That, that's the thing. You, you'll miss that the most when you're away. Like that's what I miss the most when I'm away is just the Irish way of interacting, which is taking a piss and immediate familiarity and all that stuff. You don't get that really anywhere else, honestly. Mm. So you do notice that you do miss that, and I can understand why Irish people miss that a lot because they've never known. That's all they've yeah. ever known. Yeah. It is shocking, and I don't mean that in a judgmental way. I just mean like if suddenly you're in a place where that familiarity isn't there and the crack isn't there, like it is like annoying, and it's no wonder that Irish people end up spending so much time together. Yeah, mm. Des, you said you had shows coming up at the end of the year, early next year. Yeah, I haven't ready. booked them yet. Oh, but right. the, but like the time is blocked off. That is happening. Right. I haven't even named that tour yet, but that is happening. At the moment. The name? Yeah. One name I thought for the special I didn't pick was aggressively moderate. Then I was thinking still plastic because people like to call me a plastic patty. And then uh, I was going to call my show in the States Prodigal American. Are you familiar with the tale of the prodigal son? Of course. Well, I said to Hannah, she's such an atheist. I said, uh, I'm thinking of calling the show Prodigal American because it's like coming back to America. Coming back, yeah. right? After leaving. And she was like, What does that mean? I was like, You know the story of the prodigal son? Well, even you don't need to be religious to know that story. But no? she doesn't know it. That's the thing. Do you know she that was story? Like, wow. Have you ever heard have you ever heard the term prodigal son? No. See? So 
that that happens. is an anomaly though. Like there's a lot of things Terrence <laughs> doesn't know. Terrence never seen Pulp Fiction. So then I thought maybe I should call it prodigal plastic, as in like I'm coming back to Ireland, mm. you know, but also plastic patty. So I have to pick one, but I'll pick one. I haven't picked it yet. But mm. it's gonna be straight stand-up. It's not gonna be any fucking dead ma shit or any fucking theme. It's just gonna be straight in your face stand-up. I've already been working on it. I did a few new material shows before Christmas. And uh, I had a bit of crack with it. So, you know, I'm already like, I'm already 50% of the way there. And I'll be touching on some of the hot button issues of Irish culture. Because I have to get my Irish on when I'm here because I can't talk about that shit when I'm back. Yeah. yeah. You know? So, so look forward not, to that. What have you got coming up? Yeah, what have you got? I don't have to plug through. anything. Watch the special. That's why I'm here. On YouTube. I'm here to tell people. There's watch Bishop the special. Of all, of all people. people. On oh, YouTube. Actually, will I tell you how I came up with the name? Go on. So, I was, I needed a name. And then... I went to the MTV Music Awards with my wife. Oh, they seen this. That's shit. a nice little flex, isn't it? But she wow, was, it was her. Flex. I was just going as a date, oh. right? So then the Irish gossip sites, whatever. Can't remember which one. It doesn't matter. And I'm not mad at anybody. I, I think this is hilarious. So one of them had like Des Bishop and wife at the MTV Music Awards, right? And then in the article, the woman that wrote the article said, Des Bishop, of all people, showed up at the MTV Musical, which is so beautifully passive-aggressive. And it's kind of a bit like the Irish passive-aggressive yeah. thing, right? Which I just loved. I thought it was hilarious. I posted about it and some people are like, the cheek of her. But I, I honestly, I fucking loved it. And I immediately went, that is a fucking great name of a special. Des Bishop, of all people. Now, people just see that. Americans don't get it, right? But like... That's why I called it that. It's a little petty, but it's not at her. Like, I have no problem with her, you know, yeah. that she wrote that. I think it's great, but she did inspire the title of the special. So it's called Des Bishop, of all people, who does he think he is doing shows in the States? So anyway, it's called Of All People. <laughs> it's on YouTube. Check it out. Make sure, oh, by the way, anybody in the comments that says, I sound like Bill Burr, you need to fucking go at that yeah. and call them all sorts of names that they won't understand. Be like, you fucking gay bag. He doesn't sound like Bill Burr. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you need to like fucking Irishify the shit. A fucking pox butter piece of, yeah, all that. <laughs> yeah. Give it to them. Tell them that we don't have Wednesdays. Yeah. yeah that's from, What's that? Do you ever tell Americans, do they never, does your missus never ask you what it's like to grow up in Ireland and what it's like to live here? Did she not think that Ireland was... I never heard that you tell people you don't have Wednesdays. That's yeah, hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm being convincing about it. Be like, what, you have a Wednesday? What? Like, it's, no, it's Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And you say it so confidently, they yeah. believe it. <laughs> I'm telling you. Americans are gullible days. I, I, I take the piss out of missus. I spent all my life listening to all the American stuff. And when it comes to Ireland, a lot of it is true. But I don't, I don't do that. Yeah, I take the piss. If I had an American missus, I'd be like, do you not know? Like, do you not take the piss out of her now? Honestly, she's pretty sharp. Yeah. You know? She's no pushover now, the young lady. Did she, well, how did she find Ireland when she first came here? Ah, she loves it. But I just, she's under strict instructions not to do her shitty Irish accent. Yeah. And every now and then she does it. And I'm like, ah! Don't even fucking think about it. <laughs> yeah. That's my thing. Yeah, yeah. Only you can jump between the <laughs> but two. Her Irish accent's not good. But she is she is funny. But like obviously she's she's American. She's very American. So she's not gonna be coming over here doing like immersion routines. She's gonna be coming she's coming here by the way in April. I think oh no, may, maybe May. She's coming here soon. She's doing Vicar Street. I had nothing to do with it. That was all organized by her side, by her. Wait, well team. then plug that. What date is she doing in Vicar Street? I actually don't know the date, but oh, I know yeah, she's yeah. coming. Well we'll get her on here and she can plug her on here. Then. Oh get her on here. She'll love yeah, it. Yeah. But she won't I have to be here to translate. She won't understand a fucking word you're saying. That'd be good yeah. crack that wouldn't it? Yeah let's do that. Yeah. Oh get her on because oh, you know you could just drill her about all the slang. And, yeah. You know, you know what a gee bag is. Yeah. What? <laughs> she has a fine gee bag. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> right. So what's the name of the podcast is? You use our podcast, whole podcast. Oh burner phone. Her name is Hannah Burner. Go and listen to that as well. So, 
as a joke. Yeah, burn the phone. Yeah. B E R N E R. Burn the phone. And you can call in. We don't get a lot of Irish call-ins, but you, so you call in, leave a message. So it's your voice on the pod. So the, the listeners drive the podcast. Wouldn't that be great if you just got like a big surge of the surge of Dublin yeah. people? Now yeah. we did have we had a couple of good Dublin ones come in that were hilarious. Actually, can I ask one question before we get off? Of course we can. How are you guys doing outside of the Dublin area? Very well. Oh, great. Mm. I just want, because we, we do tend to be Dublin-centric on this podcast, mm. and uh, I hope that we weren't neglecting the rest of Ireland. Yeah, I think, I would have imagined Dublin being like 40%, 30%, yeah. 40% of the listeners, it's not. It's everyone everyone around there is sick of it. And then, when yeah. you should, you know, we're always joking how I'm never around for your live shows. Maybe you should just do a live show in New York. Well, organize I it. can organize it. That's very easy, especially in St. Patrick's Day. It's very easy to sell. Well, we'll talk about that all there. Playing. All the boys. We'll talk. Yeah, yeah, we'd love to see that. There'll be <laughs> None more. Of the boys they'll make it, it to America. They'll never, never be, make it. There'll never be a smaller percentage of green card to human population in a room. <laughs> <laughs> in a room. There'll never be more people on the run at a show yeah. in the history of American entertainment. <laughs> uh, right, yeah. Des, we wrap this one up before we incriminate somebody. All right. Yeah. Nice one, yeah. Nice one for coming in, Des. Finish 30. Yeah. Take us out, Siobhan. Boom. Subscribe to this podcast for free on the Go Loud app. What you waiting for? What you back in it? Just a little more. Oh, you're waiting it now. Fill your body, your head. Walk it hard and long. When you finish that. The hip knocker. Go down. Go down. Go down. Go down.